people profoundly. Uh, when, when things are rapidly accelerated in a historical moment, you know, human beings respond in different ways. And it's very hard for us to process events that take place. I think, was, I, I think that this is very relevant our era right now, in our coronavirus era, um, that there are so many things happening and they're happening so fast that it is very hard to process. Now, this allows for authoritarian political regimes to take power. We see this explicitly in Hungary with Orban Viktor. Essentially, Hungary is no longer a democracy now, officially. My bad, my bad. I was, was, I was confusing Serbia with Hungary. No, no, that's okay. Um, but yeah, hung, the parliament passed the, the fact that Orban can just rule the country by edict. He doesn't need the parliament to pass any law anymore. And that is definitely the end of Hungarian democracy. And uh, that's, those are the kinds of things that happen in these sort of accelerated historical windows. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm getting I'm some feedback from somebody. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm following you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are we okay? Right. So, okay. So I'm going to continue on with the, with the timeline here. Um, we had the Cuyahoga River on fire in Cleveland. The Stonewall riots take place in New York on June 28th, 1969. Now we're going to move to July. And July 19th, the Chappaquiddick incident happens with uh, Edward Kennedy. Um, sure where uh, he and a young lady, you know, into the water and he takes sweet time informing authorities about it and she dies. The very next day is the moon landing by Apollo 11. So humans have landed on the moon for the very first time on July 20th, 1969. Right. Um, on July 25th, Nixon introduces the Nixon Doctrine and the Vietnamization of the Vietnam War. So how his turn in the Vietnam War, which is that the Vietnamese should be fighting this war uh, in increasing numbers. This Nixon doctrine is total nonsense and ridiculous uh, because, you know, with heavy American military involvement, we couldn't even uh, uh, defeat the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese Army, the NVA. And it was, it was a ridiculous notion that we could somehow turn this over to the South Vietnamese the Arvin, and they would simply fight this war successfully. So, but that's the beginning of the end of the Vietnam officially is July 25th, 1969. In August 8th, 1969, at 11.30 a.m. London time, the Beatles are photographed crossing Abbey Road. The next day, the Tate murders happen on Cielo Drive by the Manson family. The day after that, yeah, Beatles cross Abbey Road, August 8th, 1969. The Manson murders of Sharon Tate and a whole bunch of other people on Cielo Drive happen uh, on August 9th. And then on August 10th are the La Bianca murders of the Manson family. So they, they committed two separate, very separate incident uh, murders um, uh, two days apart from one another. Five days later, on August 15th, is the first day of Woodstock. Woodstock lasts for three days. On September 1st, 1969, Myanmar Gaddafi comes to power in Libya. The next day, Ho Chi Minh dies in Vietnam. Ten days later is the first episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Nine days later, Willie Mays 
Say Hey Willie Mays of the now San Francisco Giants cracks his 600th home run, the first to do so since the Babe. Cool. On September 26th, four days later, Abbey Road is released to critical acclaim. And the same day, September 26, 1969, is the first episode of The Brady Bunch. On October 11th, 1969, the Zodiac Killer in the Bay Area commits his last murder. Strikes for the probably the last time. The same day, October 11th, the World Series begins. And it ends five days later when the Mets defeat, amazingly, the Baltimore Orioles four games to one. They demolished the Orioles. It wasn't that they just scored an upset World Series victory. They steamrolled them. Right. And that featured a rookie Nolan Ryan pitching in relief. Yep. Yep. And, oh, uh, incidentally, interestingly enough, 1969 is the very first year in which Major League Baseball uh, officially recognized the save as, as a statistic. Cool. Uh, so Nolan Ryan being relief pitcher, first year of the official statistic of the save. Um, the Mets defeat the Orioles in the World Series four games to one. On October 22nd, 1969, Led Zeppelin releases their second album, Led Zeppelin II. And this is um, eight days later, on October 29th, the first ARPANET message is sent. And ARPANET is the forerunner of the internet. So basically the very first internet thing happens. On it's October. an email. It was it's, a dick pic. It was a dick pic. The net wasn't even set up yet. The, net, the ARPANET network gets set up like the next month. This is the first message that it ever sends. Right. And it was indeed a dick pic. Yeah. <laughs> and little as, known, little pics, known <laughs> as most dick pics, it was very underwhelming. <laughs> but you know what? It was the first one, so who cares? Um, uh, two days later, on October 31st, Halloween, Walmart incorporates for the first time. So uh, Walmart is birthed into the world. Hmm. Uh, ten days later, on November 10th, Sesame Street has its very first episode. So scooby has the first episode, Brady Bunch, and Sesame Street. That's a a fabulous trivia question, by the way. Which which TV series had its first episode? Scooby-Doo, Brady Bunch, or Sesame Street? Scooby-Doo. I know that now. And, you know, you know it's Scooby-Doo, but only yeah. by a matter of weeks. Yeah. Uh, two days after the first episode of Sesame Street, the My Lai Massacre happens in Vietnam. Oh, that's less fun. On, and three days later, on November 15th, the very first Wendy's opens by Dave Thomas. Well, funny. Four days after that, Pele, uh, the great footballer, scores his 1,000th goal. Yeah, he was good. On December 1st, 1969, is the first draft lottery for war since World War II. Really? Night, November 1st, 1969. December. That's a part of me. That late in the Vietnam War. That late in the Vietnam War. After the peak of the Vietnam War. Well, 69 really is kind of the peak. It has the highest death toll numbers. But yes, you're right. It's like right after the crest is when the first draft lottery institute. Uh, when was the Tet Offensive? 68. Yeah. That's, that, in my mind, that is That's the when crest. the Vietnam War changes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. The Tet Offensive 
really does change everything. It was it was it was a loss for the North Vietnamese, but it was yeah. more of a loss for the Arvin and the Americans. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like the war was unwinnable after the Tet Offensive. Exactly. Yeah. And yet that's when the draft started after the Tet Offensive. Yeah, a year later. Yeah. That's a, that's insane and absurd. Yeah. And five days after that, five days after the first draft lottery for war since 19, World War One, uh, December 6th, 1969, is the Altamont Free Concert. And for those who are interested in this history, this is a very, very important sort of closure to the counterculture and the hippie moment. If you're familiar with Altamont Speedway, it was an extremely violent event. It was supposed to be the next Woodstock. And uh, all the big bands played. Um, uh, the the Hell's Angels were were paid in beer to keep this is the one that's in California. Yes, Altamont, California. Yeah, this is the one I was thinking of. And uh, several people died. Somebody somebody got shot to death right as as uh, Jefferson Airplane was playing. I think, yeah. or maybe yeah, it was Jefferson Airplane. No, there was a riot during Jefferson Airplane. It was during the Rolling Stones that the yeah. guys was. Fucking hell's angels as security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total shit show. Like the yeah. the the end of the counterculture hippie. I mean, this is the, Woodstock was like the flowering moment of its climax, and very shortly thereafter, only months thereafter, was Altima, um, which which turned into a, a tragedy. Really, I'm thinking of something else. And then two weeks later, the Manson trial began. Yeah, all begins two weeks later on Christmas Eve, and and that's that's where my narrative ends. Okay, so what's baseball got to do with any of that? Yeah, so baseball was going through its own transformative time. Baseball, as we mentioned before, had four expansion teams. Um, they lowered the pitching mound five inches, and they they decreased the strike zone. So 1969 was a hitter's year. Harmon Killebrew was the uh, most valuable player in the AL, um, and uh, he smacked 49 home runs. Um, Rod Carew hit 330 um, for the Minnesota Twins as well. Uh, it was a hitter's year. Uh, the Twins ultimately won the AL West. Uh, the Orioles won the AL East in the National League, and this is the first year of divisional playoff play, the very first year in which the division, they divided up the divisions because of the expansion. Four new teams meant that they divided the AL and the NL up into two divisions, East and West. And so the winners of the two divisions would play each other in a season matchup that was not the World Series. Um, the Minnesota Twins met the Orioles. The Orioles swept the Minnesota Twins, who had gone to the 1965 World Series and lost to Sandy Koufax and the Dodgers. They would later win in 1987 and 1991. <laughs> And I'm a Twins fan, so obviously I know that. Um, and then in the National League, uh, it was the uh, uh, New York Mets against um, the uh, oh, who was oh the Braves, the Atlanta Braves. That's right. Um, the first time that Atlanta, the Braves version that was Atlanta, went to the World Series. Incidentally, this is another great trivia question. Uh, who is the only franchise, professional baseball franchise, to win a World Series in three different cities? And I basically just gave you the answer. It's the Braves. Boston in 1914. Boston, Milwaukee, Atlanta. 
Milwaukee in 1957 and Atlanta in 1995. Okay, but slow down because because what? Okay, I'm I'm trying very hard to configure this question in my head. Yeah. Did baseball have any effect whatsoever on the socio-economic, political going on of America in 1969? In a weird way, in an in, in informative, in an interesting way, no. Baseball was largely insulated. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid your entire thesis is that, right? You know, we can, we can, kill, we can kill a million Vietnamese and still, you know, play baseball in Queens and nobody gives a shit. Yeah. You know, river can be on fire in Cleveland. Riots can be all over the fucking place. Mass murderers are on the loose. Um, you know, baseball doesn't stop. And I think this Ruby is... Ruby News on TV. <laughs> What's that? Right. Ruby right. News on TV. <laughs> yeah. Scooby-Doo and the Brady Bunch and Sesame Street fucking rock TV for the first time. I mean, all this shit goes down and baseball is just like hums along like nothing. There's nothing new. And I think that in itself is meaningful. That baseball is kind of a bubble in 1969. That's my question. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think you're right. I, I mean, I think that's the answer to the question. Baseball operated as a kind of bubble, especially for the silent minor- silent majority, as Nixon called them, of conservatives who, what a weird time to be a conservative, 1969. It obviously uh, uh, bears mentioning here that the counterculture and, and hippiedom was extremely unpopular with a broad section of the American public. And there also was, and it wasn't just counterculture, there was a, um, a vicious anti-war movement there was a vicious pro-war movement, and in many ways, both of them didn't give a shit about the, the soldiers coming back from Vietnam, who were called baby killers and spat on, et cetera, et cetera. Very interesting. I, I had a, um, uh, uh, a Vietnam War, uh, Ken Burns' Vietnam documentary features one of the individuals interviewed is a guy named John Musgrave, and I, he lives in Kansas. I invited him here to the university, and he gave a talk which was a phenomenal talk last year. And we, this was central to our discussion, which was that in the Vietnam era, like people hated the soldiers and the troops. Um, and, I, would, I would push against that. I, I would push against that. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are definitely examples of valorization. But there was, I, think that, I think that's a propaganda thing. I don't, I, let me, let me, sorry, I, I apologize. No, I, no. I believe that folks, and this is not Donald on the Yump content right now, but we're going. I believe that uh, it was over-exaggerated, the idea that people who were opposed to the Vietnam War were anti-quote-unquote truth. I think that's a propaganda mechanism. You might, you you may very well be right. There there are a lot of veterans of the of the Vietnam War who felt that sentiment. However, however true it was, and there and there were certainly um, with the Mille massacre and, and other events that took place. Um, there were there were there was a uh, there was certainly a tangible um, uh, um, concern and worry about what our troops were doing in Vietnam. 
that was new to the American experience, especially in light of World War I and World War II and the Korean War, in which the soldiers who fought abroad um, were, there were never any of these scandals of massacres or anything. War was changing as well um, at that time. So you may very well be right, but, but there is certainly that sentiment out there. And, um, and anyway, I think it's interesting in light of a couple of things. The Vietnam War affected almost every American family in one way or another. It profoundly affected America. But yet the troops were not nearly, we can, I think, safely say, not nearly as valorized and heroized as they are in our 21st century wars. Which I are fought in far off Afghanistan and far off Iraq and in other places, and they do not affect the American public nearly as much. We are far removed. Statistics show that, that there are very, very small percentage of the American public fights these wars. We don't have a draft. Um, we don't have to worry about it. They're far removed. And I think there's a correlation there, which is interesting, which is in the 60s with the Vietnam War, in which war, a war that affected everybody, and there were thousands of people, American soldiers dying, um, there was not this heroization of the American soldier at that time for that war. And right. in our 21st century, Remember that. Iraq and Afghanistan, it's far removed. It doesn't affect us as much. And yet we like bow down to the church of militarism and raise up on a pillar um, the hero of the soldier in ways that are, and I don't mean to, mean to be too, um, uh, you know, uh, excessively derogative about this uh, at all. Um, those who serve, men and women who serve, are putting their lives on the line, and that's a real thing. But the public kind of um, obsequious uh, heroization of, of them, uh, men and women who serve, often from veterans who have experienced combat, is something that is uh, that they don't taste all that well. It's like, you know, I don't need your valorization um, especially those who've been injured, who come back with PTSD and other things. But anyway, I think there's, a, there's an interesting sort of relationship there, right? Yeah, okay. I have so many opinions right now. Flo's <laughs> opinion. What's this all got to do with baseball? Second opinion. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with baseball. And, you know, baseball is just a, a fun way to, is baseball either a unifying activity that defines the American spirit? No. Or is it something to spend the time? Not in 1969. Uh, you know, I think 1969 is sort of the watershed year for baseball not being the the central, one of the central American cultural activities. This actually parallels the Hollywood movies as well. The movie system, the movie industry is breaking down and becoming more corporatized. We have a 70s decade in which there is a renaissance of American film, but that's all ground up organic with the new movie brats like Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola and Peter Bogdanovich and, you know, William Friedkin and all these, you know, new filmmakers who are making new films. But the industry is in collapse and in turmoil. 
And baseball is no longer culturally relevant in the ways that it was in, to American culture. And 1969, I think, is really the first year that this like solidifies and cements itself. That the old American culture of baseball and boxing, you know, where two boxers could fill up Yankee stadiums, where baseball was the only important show on town in town in terms of sports, that gives way. All right. And maybe the Jets upsetting the Colts has something to do with that for both three. It does. It does. <laughs> it really does. All right. All right. All right. I don't know what we have recorded. I think we've recorded most of this conversation. It's going to be posted in kind of awkward segments. Although we got the last 20 minutes, which I really appreciate. Um we got the first 30 minutes and we got the last 20 minutes and the inside, you know, whatever. Fuck it. Uh, maybe we'll skip that short one. Yeah, maybe skip that short one. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. This has been Dump on the Yelp, ostensibly a baseball podcast, and we are a baseball podcast. We're a baseball podcast. Comcast? Subsidiary event. Owned by Comcast. we appreciate your continued support and significance and oh my god I have such a hard on right now it's ridiculous (laughs) really disgusting honestly alright play us out (laughs) y'all this has been Dump on the Up love you guys playing you out uh, peace be with you. Stay home. Stay here. Stay safe. I'm out. It's hard growing up looking at drug dealers with all this paper, wondering how I can get me some. My family's struggling. I'm bugging, sitting on my porch, so confused, chewing on some bubble gum. I was always taught to use my manners with the missus, but.